You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Almost five years ago, on the 28th of October 2018, I awoke at 6am, unable to use my right arm, half of my face slumped, and with a very wonky walk. After an earlier brush with Bell's palsy two years prior, the symptoms are very similar. I knew the tests that you needed to check to see if you'd had a stroke. My heart was racing faster than I'd ever experienced with panic attacks and depression. In short, I felt like I'd been run over. There was no pain. However, I had zero strength. The ambulance seemed to take an age. It was probably only 10 minutes. And they were only in the house for about 20 minutes. And then I was bundled in the back of the ambulance and driven to hospital. I finally got to drive on the Northern Expressway. Sounds silly, but it's something that I always wanted to do. But it was not an ideal situation, and my life had changed, and not for the better. Little did I know, but the stroke was the least of my troubles. The first inkling of those troubles was receiving media inquiries within 30 minutes of arriving at the hospital. How did they know? It caused me not inconsiderable stress. And I know who those pricks are, and they will never, ever be getting anything from me ever again. With such a massive privacy breach, I was loath to stay at North Shore Hospital. But in any case, it was decided to transfer me to the stroke unit at Auckland Hospital after several tests and scans. I don't know if you know, but when you have a stroke, some things are not obvious, but seriously affect you. One thing that affected me was my hearing had become extremely sensitive. It still is. I can hear people clearly talking across a room, even if they are talking in hushed tones. I can also focus on a conversation across a room, even if there are others around making lots of exceedingly annoying noise. But sounds in general have become annoying, especially whining or squealing children. Another side effect of my stroke, because of where the stroke was located, was my already low tolerance for stupidity, coupled with a propensity to say out loud what others would only think was heightened. In other words, I just blurted things out. I had no control over it. And so you can imagine what people thought when I would just come out and say things out of the blue. The biggest issue I had was my exceedingly high blood pressure. And it hovered around 200 over 120 for a couple of days until through trial and error they stabilized it via medication. One test they performed on the day of my discharge, after a week in hospital, was to establish clinically if I would ever regain the use of my arm again. It involved placing a figure of eight-shaped electrode over the site of the stroke on my head and recording electrical impulses in my arm on electrodes down the arm. The grim faces of the medical guys conducting the test told me everything I needed to know. And when they wanted to do the tests again, then I knew it was bad. They told me I'd never use my right arm again. It was that blunt. And they got a senior, respected neurologist to come and explain it to me. And that was a pretty low moment. Thankfully, the neurologist then told me that I'd have to learn to do everything with my left hand. And I asked him, like what? And he said, like writing. Great, I said, pass a pen, no time like the present, and started writing something on a piece of paper. What I wrote was, 
you clearly haven't read my notes. I'm left-handed. And that certainly lightened the mood for a moment. But at that moment, I resolved to prove the experts wrong. Can't isn't a word I recognize and a word I seldom use. Can't is what other people say. I told the specialists they were wrong, and I left hospital determined to prove them wrong. I was sent home then, but the next morning I was pretty crook. My blood pressure went through the roof again, and the doctor called an ambulance. Back to hospital I went, and back to my privacy being breached again at North Shore Hospital. Suffice to say, I was back in Auckland Hospital under an assumed name where they found that my potassium levels had dropped to dangerous, life-threatening levels. That was five years ago. And as I lay there in the hospital, I took stock of my life. I was profoundly changed by this experience, but it's taken almost five years to get things sorted in my life. Nearly dying focuses one's mind, and I realized that for 30 years, I had neglected my faith. But first I had to fix my body, and then my mind, and finally I found the bandwidth to address my faith. I was stubborn and determined to heal, and I'm the type of person that refuses to ever quit. I fixed my body by diving deep into physiotherapy, and I've regained almost full use of my arm as a result. I never gave up and never gave in. There were still issues to overcome, though, including a frozen shoulder, which is extremely painful, and reactivating muscles and tendons is rather painful too. But I never gave up and never gave in and went day after day to physio. And by the time the woopox hit, I was used to being isolated. But the worst thing was Ardern's kindness stopped my physio. You cannot fathom how frustrating that had been and how detrimental to my recovery as well. But that's Jacinda Ardern's kindness for you. So here we are, five years later. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I defied all the experts' prognoses. And now my risk of another stroke is dramatically reduced. One thing that I learned from my stroke experience is that if it is to be, it is up to thee. And this means that you must do it yourself and you must not wait. When the occupational therapist came to assess me, I had already made great strides in recovery. I was past whatever support they could offer, and that's because I backed myself and got superb assistance privately. And that is why I continue to attend physio. I'm still finding improvements as each week goes by. Normally, people find they plateau after six months. I never have. And I put that down to my dogmatic and some would say selfish, single-minded mission to recover. When I left the hospital, it was with a prognosis of never being able to use my right arm or hand again. And they said that things might improve slightly for the first three months, but by six months, it would stop. I told the doctors they were wrong. And it just goes to show that my pig-headed stubbornness and never-say-die attitude is a help, not a hindrance. But imagine how much better I'd have been if we didn't have the lockdowns, which prevented even more physiotherapy. Stopping critical physiotherapy for stroke victims was hardly kindness. How many stopped altogether rather than keep on trying to recover? It's disappointing 
depressing, challenging, and at the same time, rewarding, invigorating, and satisfying to see those little improvements happen week after week, month after month, year after year. It has been mentally and physically draining recovering from the stroke. And that's why I took a whole year off from any work right at the start. It's why I still only do one article a day, even now. And just so you know, to do this show each week takes almost an entire day or preparation and planning for just three hours on air. But the thing you find out when you have a life-changing medical event like this is just precisely who your friends are, who are there for you and who are not. Those who are not aren't worth the time. I cut them from my life and I don't miss them at all. Those who are there for you are treasures. Those of you who are there for me know who you are. And I thank you most profusely for the support you've given me and those around me. And so, now, five long years have elapsed. The struggle continues. I'm still here. I'm still fighting. And I'm not going away. But I'll continue to develop a better life and work balance. And I'm taking up new hobbies and starting some new projects for relaxation. And there are certainly many more challenges ahead, like finding out what continues to deplete my potassium is still a work in progress. But like everything, I'll eventually solve that one too. And contrary to what the doctors predicted, I do have the use of my right arm. Now, I can't yet type with that hand, but it's getting slowly but surely stronger and more dexterous. It won't recover fully, and there will always be an impairment. But even so, I'm a better person both mentally and physically, despite my impairment, and certainly better than most people. And I describe myself as enhanced rather than impaired. At some stage, I might write a book or sit with someone who will write it for me. There is so much to tell about, and not just the past five years, but also the things that I've done in my life that few people know about. I've certainly had plenty of time to think about it, and there is lots to tell. Eventually, the other side of what the media and my opponents have said will need to be told. Then people will see the real me, not the dark, cartoonish persona my opponents attempted to pigeonhole me as. The truth will out, and that time is coming. For now, I'll keep on keeping on. I know that the mere fact that I'm living and breathing gives my political enemies cold comfort. I still live rent-free in their tiny, feeble minds, and the funny thing is, even after a serious stroke like I've had, I'm still better at what I do than all of them combined. I'm well on the road to a near full recovery, and I have lots more that I want to achieve. And you will see them happen because I won't be deterred from achieving those goals. Five years is a long time, but it's a blink in the eye, really, when you look at your life in total. And I'm so grateful that I've had lots of people around me to support me as I recover. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Five years is a big chunk of my life, and I wanted to share that journey with you. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy, right here on RCR.